Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by the man who loves nothing more than relaxing to grand designs and getting wired into a grapefruit. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? Very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good. How's your uh, your week been? And how's your weekend been? Are you feeling sore? Because I, I heard you were playing Seven Asides yesterday. I, I have to admit to a bit of stiffness. Um, I'm not as... <laughs> Not as bad as I thought I would be. Um, I was I was kind of browbeaten into making a glorious return to the football pitches after six years last uh, last night, and I didn't do too badly, if I'm honest. I mean, I sort of sat back in defence. Um, I did win the ball a number of times, didn't hold on to it for very long. <laughs> I was either relieved of it or I managed to get it out to one of my teammates. But we won 8-5. We were playing against a team consisting of mostly Asian guys who were fit as fiddles, but um, also quite easy to knock down. So um, I think just that sort. And most of the team, <laughs> m- most of the team I played on, uh, the, the other, the, the, my teammates were Scottish guys as well. We had, we had, we had a couple of... Uh, Indian guys in there as well, but uh, most of the guys were Scottish, so perhaps used to a bit more of a physical game than maybe our Asian uh, friends were, we say. <laughs> we do have a few downloads in Asia, so I'm kind of debating whether to keep this in or not. No, I mean, they, they were they were a good team. Um, they were good, They were, and their collective fitness was a lot better than our collective fitness. Um, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, they were they kind of quite easy to knock down, is all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, that perhaps we aren't expecting such a physical game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Great. Uh, yeah. So I have to admit to a, a, a bit of stiffness today, but I enjoyed it, and we're through to the we're through to the quarterfinals. So um, playing again next week. Ah, oh, congratulations! I look forward to hearing how you get on on the yeah. next episode. <laughs> what about you? What's what's been transpiring? I'm good. Um, I had my first outing to the cinema this weekend for nearly two years. The last film I went to see at the cinema would have been Rise of. Skywalker. And the last film I went to see at the cinema with my wife would have been Joker, which was like October 2019. Yeah. 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 So yeah, two years. Um, So yeah, went to see the new Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I know you haven't seen it yet, so I will not say any spoilers and I won't say anything to, uh, in case any of our uh, audience haven't seen it yet. But um, all I'll say is, yeah, you know, it's bad when, uh, like, I think it was like five minutes to go, maybe, and your wife kind of taps you on the arm and hands you a packet of tissues <laughs> because I was crying right. so much. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking just misty eyes. Yeah. I'm talking tears streaming down both cheeks, absolutely in bits. So, um, yeah. That was a, a very manly excursion to the cinema for me. Because <laughs> uh, we'd had a beer whilst watching the film. My wife was like, are you okay to drive home? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm fine with the beer, but I'm, I just need like five minutes for my eyes to kind of settle back and um, get back to normal and then I'll be okay. So yeah, uh, but yeah, very enjoyable. It was nice to be back in the cinema after, you know, yeah. two years but uh, I don't go to the cinema a lot I, I think we've discussed that on the podcast before I prefer watching films at home but it, it's a nice experience and I, I enjoy it so it was very nice to be out and about yeah 
I know I've been enjoying some of the Ghostbusters related stuff that's been going on. I think I sent you um, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson on the Tonight Show. Uh, there was it was on YouTube. Uh, they, they did the Tonight Show last week, I think, to publicise the movie. Um, and uh, good value. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's obviously a lot more excited about the fact there's a new Ghostbusters film out than Bill Murray or Ernie Hudson seem to be, <laughs> judging by that interview. But it was nice to see the three of them together well considering he wrote the original with harold ramus then yeah yeah i think dan Aykroyd is a lot more financially invested than the other two in this franchise i'll be honest uh, i know you sent me that video but i did not watch it in case of spoilers i think you sent it yeah you sent it to me on saturday morning right. so i was going to see it on saturday and i completely forgot but i will go back and watch it once we finish recording i mean dan Aykroyd does find well not even an excuse like you know the, the, you know the thing about american television shows and if you've ever watched the tv in the u.s or uh, or overseas listeners can attest to this you don't get a lot of show before there's a commercial break and especially on those late night mm. talk shows the guests are only on for like i mean that that interview is maybe like seven minutes and then yeah they cut to a break and of course the house band uh on this night show are the roots and mm. so the interview wraps up and then the roots start to play and i think oh oh well that's the interview over they must be about to go to an advert but dan Aykroyd sort of um i'm not ruining the interview the interview by telling you this but he sort of strides off and for a split second i thought i wonder if bill murray said something mean to him and he's gone off in a huff but it, it goes and joins the roots and starts because obviously he did the blues brothers famously with uh, john belushi and yeah. uh, you know we know that he likes to perform on the stage musically so yeah he just he starts uh, singing with the roots and then he's joined by ernie and bill unfortunately i don't how do you feel about jimmy fallon i like jimmy fallon do you? a lot yeah yeah i prefer him to kimmel or conan i like fallon a lot. So, I mean, sometimes I like him, and other times, uh, it just depends what he's talking about and what he's doing, you know. Uh, sometimes he gets in my tits a bit, you know. How many times during the interview does Dan Aykroyd plug his crystal skull vodka? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. But um, the, 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 the reason I sent you that that interview on Saturday morning, and you were going to see the film, but I, I should have said that there's no spoilers, because there's not any spoilers in it. They, they talk about how Jason Reitman, the movie's director, was on the set of the original movie and stuff, so it's mostly the, it's the original film that they talk about mm. in that clip I sent you. They don't yeah. they don't talk about any detail, any specific details about the new film. Um, but Fallon asks Aykroyd, okay, you know, uh, Fallon asks him, where did you, uh, what was the inspiration for the original movie? And um, Dan Aykroyd goes into quite a long anecdote, almost as long as this one, um, about how his grandfather had been very interested in spiritualism and ghosts and what happens to the consciousness after you die etc mm. etc and he's sort of inherited this knowledge uh it, it sort of slows down the interview because uh, bill murray was quite funny <laughs> <laughs> before he started talking about that but yeah it's, it's worth a watch as i say it's nice to see those three guys together it's a shame that uh it's a shame that it wasn't the four of them um obviously how ram has passed away yeah. a few years ago but um yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the film i gotta be honest i'm looking forward to seeing it okay um shall we have a look at the news Let's have a look at the news. Uh, cue the jingle. Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on 
in the news. Okay, Greg, so what have you seen in the last week or so in Scotland that has caught your eye? Well, I'm going to start off with a very swally centric story. Um, very much in our wheelhouse. Uh, regular listeners will know. Um, so this comes from the Scottish Sun on the 18th of November uh, of this year. The headline reads, Bizarre Behaviour. Uh, Scots cinema staff forced to throw out entire pick and mix section after man dangled manhood next to sweets. <laughs> <laughs> A flasher dropped his trousers and exposed his private parts next to a cinema's pick-and-mix sweet stall, a court has heard. Scott Parker shocked unsuspecting staff by dangling his manhood next to the confectionery on display in the View Cinema in the Livingston Centre, West Lothian. As a result of his bizarre behaviour, staff decided that the sweets were no longer capable of being safely sold to the public. I feel like... The sweets are sort of down on the list of priorities here. I think the fact that a guy <laughs> is getting his bollocks out in a cinema is perhaps the more pressing concern. Um, Parker, who's 45, also admitted a second outing for his genitals when he tried to break into the Tesco Superstore in Bathgate early the next morning. Once again, oh. he pulled his trousers down to his ankles as he tried to prise open an entrance door to the store on Blackburn Roads in the early hours of the morning. I'm not sure why he felt the need to pull his trousers down when he was trying to jimmy the door open. Unless Was he trying to use his cock as a skeleton key? possible. Um, Parker claimed that on that occasion he was just trying to get into the shop to use the toilet. He appeared for a sentence on Thursday after pleading guilty to two counts of public indecency, willfully or recklessly destroying property and attempting to break into retail premises with the intent to steal. He also admitted breaching bail curfews by being found out with his home in Shaw Avenue, Armadale, three times, failing to answer the door to the police on another three occasions. In addition, he pled guilty to two charges of shoplifting more than £200 worth of items, the court was told his not guilty plea to actually placing his genitals into one of the sweet compartments had been accepted by the Crown. <laughs> Parker was subject to no less than seven bail orders at the time of the offences, the court was told. Uh, Roshni Joshi, prosecuting, said staff at the cinema saw Parker walk straight towards the pick and mix cell service suites on the 4th of October. He slipped his trousers down, exposing his genitals genitals and placed his genitals near one of the compartments. He remained there only for a few minutes before pulling his trousers back up and walking out. She said staff oh. she said staff reviewed CCTV footage of the incident but attempts to trace the accused initially failed. Police arrested him at his home the following day. When charged with the offences he replied No shit that's lies I never exposed myself. I'm not a beast <laughs> he added <laughs> Yous are talking pure shite I put my hand in to get the scoop. That was it. The fiscal said Parker tried to break into the Tesco store using a metal bin lid <laughs> at 1.45am on the 5th of October. When that failed, he used another implement he found nearby to try and pry the inner doors open. She said, During all of this, the accused trousers were round his ankles and he was exposing his genitals. Craig Brown, defending... Not that Craig Brown, I don't think, claimed his client, who is currently on remand, had drug and alcohol problems and was desperate to avoid a custodial sentence. He asked the court to free Parker and bail so social workers could prepare an up-to-date background report before sentence. Commented, I appreciate the unusual nature of the offence, but he finds himself in a particularly vulnerable position in the custodial environment. He's found, the self, he's found himself the subject of, repeat, of repeated threats in prison. Uh, Sheriff Douglas Kinloch, the third sentence, 
sentence for a criminal justice social work report, but refused to release Parker on bail. He said, I need to try and understand what it is that's causing him to carry out this bizarre behaviour. There's no way I can allow him back into the community on bail at this stage. He told Parker, you have completely ignored all the bail orders you've been put on and you've been offended and you have offended by repeatedly shoplifting for your remaining custody in order to protect the public. So Parker will find out his fate in two weeks time on Tuesday the 7th of December. Now we know somebody who's got form for uh, getting the old chap out in public, don't we? <laughs> mm, yes, the uh, the old chap from Little John's, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that pesky gentleman. Yeah, I don't think he ever did it at a pick and mix though. I fucking hope not. I seem to recall him doing it in the middle of a crowded dance floor one night during, uh, you can't touch this, I think, the MC Hammer class <laughs> Did he really? Yes, I'm pretty sure. That's, that's odd. I, 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 because that's that's. I recall that's getting... an odd song for him to do it to. Because I would have thought in a crowded dance floor he would actually be encouraging people to touch it. <laughs> well, well, the, the 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 person in question did tap me in the shoulder and point <laughs> to his member during the chorus. So perhaps it was just a warning for me, but not for any young ladies. Um, that might have been in the vicinity. Terrible gentleman. Um, I do love a good pick and mix. In fact, a good story. Our mutual friend, in fact, I say it's a good story. It's not very good story, <laughs> but hey, what the hell. Um, our mutual friend that we mention a lot of the time on the podcast, he goes to the cinema, well, he used to, pretty much every week. And he used to have this little trick. He would go into the pick and mix section at the cinema and literally fill a bag. I'm talking fill it to the brim of pick and mix and then he would take a secondary bag and put like eight sweets in it then he would go up to the till pay for the bag with the eight sweets whilst he'd hidden the massive bag in a little corner and get the receipt and then he would go and swap the bags and walk out because he had a receipt for his pick and mix and it was a foolproof plan and it didn't get worked for him the whole time that's shocking that's absolutely it, absolutely appalling. i mean it's it's theft is what it is, Greg. Yeah. It's theft. Yeah. And I hope the authorities are listening to this and get in touch. You can get in touch with us on cultureswally at gmail.com and we'll give you the details of our mutual friend. And View Cinema at, I don't know, it, it I don't think it is a View Cinema. I don't know what it is. Cine World at Aberdeen Beach. You can maybe claim yeah. backdated uh, pick and mix <laughs> funds from him. Yeah, I mean, I think pick and mix should only be purchased if it's on quite a high shelf. Like, because sometimes, like, you know, at the cinema, it could, like, the shelves of pick and mix can be head to toe. And you know those ones that are sort of at or kind of knee height. Kids are going to have mm. had their hands in them, right? You know what I mean? Fingering them and coughing on them and sneezing on them and stuff. I have, as I've got old, I mean, but don't get me wrong, when I was a kid, I loved a 10p mix up as much as anybody else. I loved pick and mix. Um, I couldn't quite understand why it was so expensive, especially in the cinema. It's like, like that, that big bag that he stole, probably about 100 quid worth of fucking cola bottles in it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But uh, as I got older, you know, they, people never use those wee tongs or the wee scoops, you know? Yeah. I just try to avoid some it. People, some people put their cock in it some as well. <laughs> yes. It's... <laughs> yeah, rest their testicles on the flying saucers or the or the flat the fried eggs. What do you think? Is he just 
so turned on by foam bananas that he's had to get his cock out at the cinema or I mean is it just pick and mix I mean obviously he took his trousers and pants down whilst he's trying to break into Tesco so is it I guess it's not limited to pick and mix is it just all food items that he has this about I mean he would get on well with our hero from last episode that tried to uh, break into Greg's the Baker with his cauliflower knife yeah he would Um, they could they could form a nice little double act they'd be like um I don't know. Uh, Butch Casty and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's got psychological issues that drive him to expose himself at, uh, in the uh, foyer of the View Cinema in Livingston. I mean, yeah. like kind of pulling his trousers down whilst attempting to break in. You think sort of some sort of psychological assessment might be in order there? Do you know what I mean? This is one of these guys, you know, there's those guys that like getting kicked in the balls and all that, you know, they're sort of masochists that like getting, like, kicked in the bollocks and stuff. Maybe he was trying to get the door open wide enough to get his cock in it so he could just, like, slam the door in his cock or something, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. maybe, maybe he was hoping somebody would see him exposing himself in Livingston and come along and fucking boot him in the balls, like a soccer mum or something, <laughs> something like that, maybe that, I don't know. I'm not making excuses for him, but I'm just trying to work out what's driving that mad behaviour. <clears throat> no, but given that... Uh term away soccer mom you're exposing your uh, internet history there Greg. um okay so um i think i was exposed i think i was exposing my internet history talking about guys that like to get kicked in the boss <laughs> anyway uh yeah moving swiftly on uh speaking of people that like to take their clothes off greg Get the Swallowmobile, we're going to Falkirk. <laughs> uh, this is from the Falkirk Herald this week, and the headline is Man Swore at Police in Falkirk and Sang Sectarian Songs. A couple of swally tropes in there, but the, the byline makes it even better. Uh, this man removed his top and began swearing at police before singing sectarian songs en route to Falkirk Police Station. So this is James McFadden, not that one. So we've had Craig Brown and James McFadden on this uh, episode so far. We're getting quite a, a scone. Let's hope we've got Graham Soonis in the next uh, story. Uh, James McFadden, 26, was approached by officers in Falkirk's Graham's Road on August the 15th last year. McFadden, uh, I'm not going to give out his address, um, pleaded guilty to committing threatening behaviour whilst on bail. Speaking at Falkirk Sheriff Court last Thursday, uh, his Procurator Fiscal Deputy Christina Kelly said, At 5.30pm, police were on mobile patrol and observed the accused walking on a public path. They approached him and he immediately, immediately, took his top off and started shouting at swearing. Uh, he failed to desist and... Uh, and on that matter, he was then arrested. On being conveyed to custody, he began singing Ooh Ah Up The Ra. Is is that the correct pronunciation of that? I don't know. Ooh Ah Up The Ra? I don't know. I'm not an old firm fan, so I don't Probably. know. You'll know your sectarian songs, yeah? Ooh Ah Up The Ra. Um, his defence solicitor said that McFadden pleaded guilty, which, you know, is fair. Uh, the report indicates that he received a community payback order in 2020. Uh, his defence lawyer said... The last time he was in bother, he refrained from drinking for 12 months. But he does drink again now, but in very moderate terms. <laughs> uh, the court was told that McFadden's drink and drug abuse at the time were slightly out of control. Uh, but his solicitor said that he now has taken stock of himself in the aftermath of the incident. Uh, he accepts that his behaviour was utterly unacceptable. He just completed his previous uh 
order and he just wants to make amends and pay back to the community. Uh, McFadden was fined £675 in order to pay a £40 victim surcharge. I don't know who the £40 was to, maybe the police officers, because it doesn't sound like he did anything to anyone. So um, I know for a fact I've asked you this question before in terms of have you ever taken your top off in rage because we have had someone that's done this before. But what is it? Why would you get so upset and just decide to whip your top off and start singing sectarian songs? Like, why is that an instant thing to think, oh, I'm so angry, the police are here, I've got to take my top off? He probably wanted to show off his, uh, his like, Celtic tattoos and stuff like that. Maybe, I guess, that's all, that's all I can imagine, his, yeah. his wee pigeon chest. You often see uh, in the city of Glasgow on a hot, on a hot sunny day, um, just like young guys walking through the city centre with their, sh- with their shirts off, um, tied round yeah. their waist. Taps off. Taps off. Um, little ropey muscles on display for their little kind of homemade biro tattoos and stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've had people before in Falkirk on stories on the Swally just giving the police abuse. I mean, it never, ever, ever ends well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. Never. Why... I mean, you know, what, what would make you get so upset that you would shout and scream at the police? I mean, when when we, when we used to get a bit leery when we were younger, like the very suggestion that a police officer might be nearby was would be enough to calm us right down until we felt that the threat had gone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh no! If a uh, if we were being a bit leery, and we never did anything criminal as such, we were just probably arsing about and yeah. maybe I don't know mucking around. I mean, criminal as in anything they could, you know. Catch see us, us and arrest us for <laughs> um, like we wouldn't have done that and as soon as we would see a police officer it would just be straight as anything more often than not we would probably say hello to them we or, help the, help you know, the police how, how's it going we did we helped the we police help, well we helped the police. Uh, uh, you're giving a little spoiler there yeah, Greg yeah, I, I think in terms of something yeah no. um, that's to come on the next episode of the Swally we're going to get a Shangalang update but yeah we, we would never do anything to kind of aggravate we certainly wouldn't take our tops off and start singing sick well we wouldn't sing sectarian songs anyway we're not going to start singing i don't know i don't like cricket or something to the or or fuck the police although i have been known to charge down the street singing fuck the police mixed with colorblind and jenny from the block yeah yeah i was going to say i was just just about to say the very same thing like we might sing the remix (laughs) (laughs) we might sing the remix i haven't sang that for many a time that was a that was a lovely little remix that i came up with there i'm sure the streets of aberdeen will be alive with the sound of that song when we're back there for alan partridge next year may yeah i'd imagine they will be um and maybe we can record him put it on our instagram we can (laughs) a little remix yeah and share it with our listeners uh okay uh, so yeah that's uh yeah Falkirk tops off as usual hey nothing changes uh, what else have you seen this week Greg uh well I found uh I saw a similar rocket this is from the press and journal um earlier this week uh the headline is biker panicked and led the police on a chase through Aberdeen city centre there's a picture here of the quite posh sounding Kevin Thorley Smith, double-barrelled surname. Oh, um, he mm. was sentenced to Aberdeen Sheriff Court. There's a picture of him standing outside the court in a fucking ski jacket 
uh, waving a piece of paper at the person taking his camera. Don't know what's in a bit of paper. Um, a yob who led police on a high-speed chase through Aberdeen city centre has been banned from the road. Kevin Thorley-Smith hadn't actually done anything wrong when he spotted the police at a pedestrian crossing on North Anderson Drive on July the 19th last year, but he panicked regardless, jumped the red light on his motorbike, and prompted a terrifying and dangerous police chase through the city. Wait to hear this, Nicky. This is like something from the Fast and the Furious. He then dumped his orange 125cc bike and fled on foot before scuffling with police officers and threatening to infect them with COVID-19. Aberdeen Sheriff Court heard how the 19-year-old was stopped at a red light on the pedestrian crossing at North Anderson Drive at around 1.30pm. But when he spied the police officers in an unmarked car travelling toward him, he then jumped the red light and sped off, riding the wrong way around roundabouts, speeding, speeding, speeding through residential streets and cutting over pavements. Uh, fiscal Deputy Brian Young told the court he was seen to be watching the police vehicle approaching and suddenly travelled through the red light signal and turned into Rose Hill Drive, accelerating its speed. The police officers pursued him onto Rose Hill Drive where they saw him travelling at speeds of around 40 miles an hour. He overtook vehicles in a dangerous manner and failed to stop despite being pursued by the police. He said Thorley Smith then turned into Cairncry Road where one driver had to slam on the brakes as he rode the wrong way around the roundabout there, then headed over pavements and into parkland. He was spotted again on Ashgrove Road, but he sped away from officers who had to abandon their pursuit. Officers then found him further down Ashgrove Road, where he failed to stop despite their blue flashing lights, then abandoned his bike and fled on foot. When officers caught up with him, he began coughing on them and stating he had COVID-19. He later confirmed he'd been lying about that when he was booked into custody at Kitty Brewster Police Station. Thorley Smith's defence agent, George Mathers, said that the father of two panicked when he saw the police and that he was thankful that nobody was injured in the police chase. The unemployed dad admitted driving dangerously and failing to stop for police as well as a further two charges involving assaulting police officers. Sheriff Graham Buchanan said he would take the man's limited record and relative youth into consideration. Uh, Thorley Smith of Seaton Place, Aberdeen, was banned from the road for 14 months and must sit an extended test to regain his licence. He was also handed a community payback order comprising 18 months of supervision and a hundred Hundred and sixty hours of unpaid work. So me thinks that Kevin has spent quite a lot of his youth playing Grand Theft Auto on his PlayStation. See, my first thought is he's thrown drugs or a murder weapon oh, yeah. uh, in the bushes whilst he's making his getaway. Something's not right here. Mm. Guilty uh, conscience, Kevin. If your lawyers are if your lawyers are listening, it's just pure conjecture. But yeah, sounds to me like he's thrown a he's had something on him. Yeah, that. He doesn't want the cops to catch him with. So he sped off, thrown it in a bush as he's trailing away on his dirt bike, like some sort of BMX bandits-esque <laughs> uh, skit. And yeah, he's chucked someone in the bush and then got caught. He's traveled a fair distance, though, looking at the map, the, the streets yeah. you were mentioning, because I'm quite familiar with North Anderson Drive area. So yeah. he's, he's traveled a fair distance before he was caught and fair play to him, but... Yeah, and this was at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. It's not yeah. like one o'clock in the morning, so it's not like he was pished. Well, I mean, he could have been pished at one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, he has been there. He has to get a job, has it, he? So, you know. <laughs> yeah, but there's more to this. It's like a transformer. There's more than meets the eye to this. Something, something murky is going on here. He's he's had something. He's thrown someone off his bike, be it a machete covered in blood or... 
a, a big kilo of coke or something. Or a cauliflower knife covered in blood, maybe? Or A cauliflower knife covered in blood? That would be uh, spectacular. It wouldn't be for whoever. Maybe he just cut himself whilst he was chopping cauliflower and was a bit worried about being caught with a, a blood-soaked knife. But yeah, there's more to this than meets the eye, I think. Something, something's up here. Indeed. But anyway, uh, he seems to have got off uh, fairly lightly. Um, but 18-month um, ban from drag... Well, even 18 months, 14 months. And he's got to sit an extended test. So I think probably got off quite lightly, considering. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a little map of... The, the uh, reporter's gone to the trouble of uh, printing a map showing his uh, the sort of route that he went. Um, and you're right, he has travelled a fair, a fair distance. He's, I suppose he's lucky he didn't fall off and hurt himself as well. Have they highlighted the map with like a, a safe house and a save point and <laughs> as you say like Grand Theft Auto yeah. have they done that at least because that would have been pretty funny yeah. and if not you've missed a trick there I think they have missed a trick there. You could have had like a little garage that you could have driven into to change the colour of his motorbike and throw off the police. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean orange is quite conspicuous. Change it to something like I don't know yellow, blue, I don't know. So yeah, that's my second story. I mean, it, uh, the posh-sounding Kevin Thorley Smith clearly spent far yeah. too much of his time playing video games. A ute. What's your uh, What's your next story? Well, Greg, there is nothing worse than waking up in the morning after the night before and realizing you've lost something. This is from the Scottish Sun today. Actually, uh, have you ever lost anything in a nightclub? Just my dignity on many an occasion. <laughs> What, rocking out to Deacon Blue? <laughs> yeah, or, uh, you know, just generally making a fool of myself. Yeah. Every conceivable uh, well, one nightclub, <laughs> one nightclub in Glasgow has taken to TikTok to reveal the strange things that they find at the end of the night. So it's the garage in Glasgow, which I'm sure you are a big regular of, Greg. I certainly was. I used, to love a, I used to love a Monday night in the garage. They have described themselves as Scotland's biggest, busiest and best nightclub. Would you say that that claim is fair enough? Um, well, look, you know, I I always had a good time in there, so, you know, um, I don't know. I've, I've, been, I've, I've not been in a nightclub for maybe 15 years. <laughs> maybe a bit longer. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, one staff member took to TikTok to share some of the random things that they find at the end of the night, and the video has racked up 6.3 million views in just three days. So the video shows staff member walking around putting on plastic disposable gloves and walking around the club picking up the random items left behind. The video details things found at the club at the end of the night and amongst the normal smashed iPhones and uh, they found a lot of passports, which I can imagine people take their passports out Mm -hmm. if they have true ID. Uh, There was an iPhone charger, an Adidas gilet, a perfume spray and a glitzy bangle. But in addition to this, there was some late night entertainment, aka jungle mini playing cards, uh, a used tampon and one random black boot. Uh, Many TikTok users were shocked at the findings and took to comments, and the comments is the best bit. Uh, One person said, I'll never understand how someone can lose one shoe. Like, how how is this possible? Uh, Second person commented, the one shoe is an absolute fucking classic. Uh, Another TikTok user said, I once found... (laughs) Sorry. I once found a full 12-pack of... Auntie Bessie's Yorkshire puddings in a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> 
someone said, I found an entire Jenga game. Uh, a third added, I often lose a shoe. Those nights are the best nights. Meanwhile, I work for a Premier Inn and I'm sick of pig customers leaving their rooms with food on the ceilings and six stained sheets. Uh, sunbed shop workers also revealed the gross things that people do, including peeing in the tanning booths. Uh, so yeah, now I can understand the one shoe. Um, uh, purely from the aspect of we used to work in restaurants and bars and stuff and we would have a rucksack with our work clothes and yeah. I never wore my work shoes out. I'd always have a pair of trainers I would chuck in yeah. and I could imagine going into my bag for something and maybe losing a shoe. I've, I've never done it, but I can imagine girls would have a handbag and maybe would have shoes in it. Yeah. You know, they might take a change of shoes. A girl might have changed into flip-flops or something in the club, as sometimes they do. And maybe they've just lost a shoe. And I'd imagine the next morning they're like, oh, for fuck's sake, I've lost my shoe. But yeah, I, no matter how hammered or otherwise I have been in my career of being a piss artist, I've never lost anything in a nightclub or left anything. I always make sure I've got everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I left my phone at yours the last time that I was yeah. at yours, um, which was a rare occurrence. But yeah. usually, I, I never lose anything, and yeah, I, I don't understand. If I was going out when I was when I was younger, I would always go out with just the minimum that I needed. You know what I mean? Like I always used to love going out in the summer when you could go out without a jacket, so you didn't have to like either. Because sometimes you go into a nightclub and the queue for the jackets is to to check your jacket in can be really long. Yeah. And you're sort of, Huge. you know, you're sort of just gant to get in there and get a drink and, you know, get on the dance floor and see what the talent's like. Um, so, you know, so that your options are, do you wait in the queue for fucking 20 minutes, giving up precious winching time in the nightclub, or do you just... <laughs> <laughs> or do you just carry your jacket around with you and then you run the risk of, you know, you set it down somewhere, some bastard steals your jacket or you forget about it or you, or you get chucked out for getting your cock out and then you can't go back in and get it. You know what I mean? Um, so I would always, I would only ever I take... I don't think our friend ever got chucked out for getting his cock out. No, he? no. No, I don't think he did. No, he, I, no. he only got chucked out once for another thing, but that's probably not for public consumption. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, so yeah because you know and, they, and the, the other thing is at the end of the night you just want to go right when, you, when you're ready to leave the nightclub whether the club's closing or whether you're just you know maybe you've copped off or it's just time to go home because you're absolutely bluttered or you've ran out of money or whatever you don't want to fuck about in the queue for the jackets you just want to Mm. You just want to go, right? So, yeah. um, so no, I would always travel light uh, on a night out. So you've never lost a used tampon or uh, <laughs> no. Jenga? No, or a pack, um, pack of Yorkshire puddings. No, I can't say I have. I, I can't believe that, though. I once found a full pack of 12 Aunt Bessie's Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> like, <laughs> someone's been to Safeway or something, and they've met someone, but like, oh, come on, come on for a drink. Okay. And then they've ended up out till 2 a.m., and they've left their fucking Yorkshire puddings. They woke up the next morning, and they've been like, oh, fuck, I've got no puddings for my Sunday roast. What the fuck am I going to do now? No, my wife's going to kill me. I was just, I was sent out. <laughs> I was sent out to get Yorkshire puddings. That was all I was sent out for. And I ended up going out all night and ended up in the garage. 
was supposed to be I was supposed to be home at fucking two o'clock this afternoon with the Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> my my mum's actually got a story uh, along those lines of when she used to work in the Glasgow Royal Infirmary as a shunt nurse. And when she was working in casual when she was working in casualty, this old guy had been brought in and he'd uh, he'd been pissed and he'd taken a tumble and he'd like he'd broken his nose and hit his head, he was concussed. So um they, they kept him in and my mum was working on the ward that they kept him in on and she said because there anybody you want us to get in touch with to let them know that you're here and he said well you, you should maybe call my wife because she'll be worried about me he said but they, it was back in the days where a lot of people did, didn't have a phone so my mum he, he gave my mum the neighbour's phone number so the neighbour could go next door and tell the wife what had happened to her husband so um, mum said that a few hours later this woman comes like steaming in to the ward mum said that she was like fucking my broon right <laughs> and she comes up she, come, she comes up to the old guy in the bed and belts him one Right, so the nurses are all over. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? And it turned out it transpired that she'd sent him out like a day or two before to get <laughs> <laughs> to get fish suppers for the dinner, and he'd uh, he'd just gone to the pub and a, for a couple of days. But he, he was wearing he, he had like so his clothes were obviously there, and he had this big sort of army great coat. And he's like, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I did get the fish suppers, and then the big deep, the big deep pockets of his coat were like like day and a half old stone cold fish suppers oh my god <laughs> so he'd obviously gone and got the, he'd obviously gone and got the dinner and thought oh, i'll just nip in the pub for a quick half before i go <laughs> before i go up to the before i go up the roads and you know one half has led to a two-day bender yeah we've all been there yeah not with the fish suppers but we've all been there oh <laughs> uh, okay um anything else this week that has caught your eye in the news greg well no just a very quick sort of nice story well no, maybe not ni- nice so much, maybe more nostalgic. Bit of a change of pace from our usual uh, genitalia and the pick and mix style of stories. But the legendary video game Lemmings, which, which I'm sure if you're not a fan of, you'll certainly know about, um, is being showcased in a documentary to mark its 30th birthday. And the game was developed oh. by um, in Dundee by DMA Design. Mm. Um, who, of course, would yeah. go on to become Rockstar Games, um, who are mm-hmm. the uh, multi. Well, or must be they must have made the, they must have turned over a billion dollars now uh, with their Grand Theft Auto series over the years. Uh, it was first uh, released for the Commodore Amiga. I had a Commodore Amiga in February 1991. Uh, made mm. its, made its way onto a range of platforms since. Um, the documentary it was con- it was commissioned by the company that currently own the Lemmings IPA. They're called Exient and uh, I think you can see it you'll be able to see it on YouTube I believe um, when it's released uh, early next year if you're interested so oh, yeah it's something fantastic something that Dundee is a little bit like uh, Scotland's Silicon Valley it's where uh, it's where the old Sinclair spectrum computers were put together um, mm. in the in the former Timex factory in Dundee and obviously DMA design Rockstar games and everything all come from Dundee so so there you go bit of nostalgia oh fantastic oh very nice um well the only other story I've got and this will take one minute and and the only reason I picked this was because of just one line in the article and this is from the uh daily record this week and it's from Ayrshire 
mysterious glue vandals have been targeting Ayrshire car park ticket machines. Uh, this machine has been glued shut on three separate occasions. So vandals have been targeting and super gluing this car park's ticket machine. Um, so we've mentioned this before in the Swally that when it's, uh, a, for example, the first couple of articles we've um, spoken about this week, uh, the newspaper comes up with the terms like sick freak mm. or the pervert or yeah. you know yeah yeah type thing so um in this article they've come up with odd folks <laughs> have been super gluing the coin <laughs> slots in a car park machine in Kilmarnock town center uh the bizarre act of vandalism has meant that those using cash cannot pay for parking however those with a smartphone can pay via the app it is not known if the sticky situation has arisen due to mindless vandalism or if it's just drivers trying to dodge paying for parking. Uh, East Ayrshire Council have confirmed that vandalism has occurred on three separate occasions and the bosses at the local authority are have now reported the matter to the police. That's it. I just like the odd folks. Yeah, yeah. I in like terms it. Of, you know, rather than sick creep or, yeah. you know, the pervert, it's odd folks. Which I, liked, I think is the way they should refer to it in future. I liked um I liked mysterious vandals as well. Um I like that better <laughs> I like that better terminology. Mysterious. But it it could be perhaps It's kids, surely. It's kids. Or it could be some sort of liberal sort of social protest about of by someone who objects to having to pay for parking. You know what I mean? It's like some sort of could be. stealth social campaign against the council. Maybe they feel they're charging too much money for parking. I know when I parked in Glasgow yeah. uh, in September when I was back, I took my dad's car into town when I went for my PCR test and I parked in the car park behind the Buchanan Sheep bus station. And I was in town for no more than two hours and it cost me fucking £9.50 to park. Wow. Now that is a scandal, Frank. It's a fucking scandal, Frank. <laughs> 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 so before we go to a word from our sponsor, our sponsor last hmm. time um, was Tartan Special, and our yeah. downloads on the first couple of days of the Crow Road episodes were, were good. So do you think that was the Tartan yeah. Special effect? It could be. <laughs> it could have been the Tartan Special effect for you. Maybe we should have them on again. <laughs> well, I, d I think we do have Tartan Special lined up in the future for another episode, <laughs> but not this episode. We're going... Uh, up into the sky for this episode. Ah, brilliant. It's probably the best one I've seen, in fact. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, <laughs> let's have a little word from our sponsors. I've flown with US Airlines And the girls are really nice And those beautiful Far Eastern girls Do splendid things with rice German girls are so correct And the planes are never late But there's only one girl we want to see As we reach the departure gate I wish they all could be Caledonian I wish they all could be Caledonian British Caledonian, airline of the year. Okay, so it was your choice this week, Greg. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be speaking about on this swally today? Well, like I mentioned in the last episode, I quite like it when we watch something together that we haven't seen before. 
And so this time I chose the 2019 BBC Scotland um, comedy drama series Guilt, written by Neil Forsyth, uh, writer of uh, Bob Servant. Um, it stars Mark Bonner and Jamie Sives as the bro- as two brothers, uh, Max and Jake, who, whilst returning driving back from a wedding, they accidentally run over and kill an elderly man on an Edinburgh street. They make the decision to cover up the crime, but as the show progresses, uh, the brothers' difficulties in covering up their crime intensify, um, and as the story opens up, other characters and players come in and create quite an intriguing, suspenseful, and often hilarious uh, drama series. So, as I mentioned, we were both guilt virgins. Both watched it over the last couple of weeks. How did you find guilt? Uh, yeah, I think I was aware of this when it came out because obviously being linked to Neil Forsyth. But for some reason, I hadn't watched it and I don't know why. And then it came back into my attention when the second series was announced and Greg McHugh, who Gary Tank Commander was attached to the second series. I haven't watched the second series yet. To be honest, once we finish recording this, I think I'm going to go home. Uh, go, go home? home. <laughs> I'm in my home. Um, I'm going to go home, uh, go through, take the dog out for a walk, come back, and then my wife and I are going to start series two of Guilt because I can't wait to watch it. But I wanted to wait until we'd recorded this episode so it didn't kind of cloud my judgment. I guess that um, can tell you my opinions on Guilt. I absolutely loved this show. And I think I've said this a couple of times in the Swally before. I'm almost annoyed it's taken me this long to watch it. It's such a clever show. It's it's a Scottish show. It's dripping in Edinburgh and dripping in Scotland. But it almost feels like you're kind of watching like a like an American kind of yeah. series, like almost like an HBO show. It it feels like a Coen Brothers yeah. series. Like yeah. it feels like Fargo TV series. It's so good. Uh, it just twists and turns so well. You think the brothers have kind of gotten away with things and then something else pops up to, to disrupt them. The cast are incredible. The writing is phenomenal. And I'm not just saying this because we're fans of Neil Forsyth, but you can, you can see the Bob Servant elements in a few places, but he, it almost feels like he's He's grown up and matured as a writer in in doing this. He it, it's it's phenomenal. It's such a good show, and my wife absolutely loved it. We watched the first two episodes one night, and it I think it was like maybe eleven thirty, and we were kind of like considering, do we watch the next one because we were so gripped. But then we're like, well, if you watch the next one, you have to watch the last one. And yeah, we're going to be up until two a.m. So, <laughs> so we can't. But we ended up devouring the next two the the following night. Absolutely loved this show. What about yourself? What did you think of it? I had heard about it. Like you know, just when it was on TV in two thousand and nineteen, there was a lot of really positive press about it. And um, it was it seemed to it see you know obviously not living in Scotland, so not being as close to all the enthusiasm about it as maybe I could have been. But it seemed like it just took everybody by surprise, you know, as to how good it was. Um, and then when I was back in Scotland in September, the they were promoting the second series, and I, I knew I knew Mark Bonner from uh, the second series of Line of Duty, uh, where he plays mm. um, Dryden. Um, yeah. And so I guess I had I, I, I sort of went into it very very vaguely knowing what it was about, really, like, super vaguely, as Dryden and 
um, line of duty, he's quite a dry character, you know, and obviously yeah. it comes out that he's not he's not the worst villain that's ever been in line of duty, but he's not like a good guy, you know. Um, <laughs> no, no. And um, you know, but to see, like, to see him in this because they had. He's, it's just it's, it's such I mean everybody that is in this is good but he yeah. I don't know maybe I was just surprised by the sort of depth of his performance and everything but I it just blew me away like I watched the first episodes on Tuesday night and then on Thursday night I just beasted through the last three episodes. And Paula was out, kids were doing what they were doing, whatever. So I just sat up the stairs, watched it on my laptop in bed. And his performance, like, he's, I mean, he's hes such a good anti-hero because as Max, he's so fucking devious and arrogant. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And he, the way he's able, he'll turn away from the camera and the camera will cut into his facial expression and it'll be like a look of frustration and anger. And then he'll turn back to the character that he's interacting with and just turn on the charm in a second. Yeah. Honestly, I'm like you, I can't wait to watch uh, the second series to see what happens next for uh, Mike and Jake. Because, like, with Jake, you know, you do find yourself later on sort of wanting Max to in some shape or form pay for because by the apologies if we're we're spoiling this for anybody that's not watched it you know you might want to stop listening now go and watch it and then come back in Um, but by the last sort of episode he's so desperate to wriggle out of it he doesn't care who he fucks including his brother Jake and the thing is you know when you boil it down Jake is as complicit in what has happened uh, in, you know, with this poor old guy that they've knocked over with the car as Max is really, you know, he goes along with covering it up and everything but you all, but you, you you still root for Jake a lot more, I think than you do for Max by the end of the last episode, you know what I mean? You, 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 oh, of course yeah. Jake is so endearing mm-hmm. but He's so hopeless. Like, he's just, you get the impression he's just kind of trundled his way through life. He's been a bit of a hopeless kind of character. Um, He owns a record shop, which Max has bought for him. Mm -hmm. And that's the the weird thing. You kind of, it's hinted upon a few times that kind of the brothers don't really have a close relationship. Yeah. But because Max's wife, Claire, mentions a few times, you're spending a lot of time with Jake nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. why? Why? So you get the impression they're not close, but they obviously were at one point. And and there is a, a point where they mention about their, their parents, and Max basically says that kind of Jake was the, the favourite. Yeah. Effectively. And so you get the resentment, but he obviously always looks after his younger brother, and he's bought him a record shop. Okay, he's using it to launder money for some serious gangsters yeah however he still bought him the shop and he's still looking out for him and as you say jake has was driving the car that effectively killed walter max could have been like well he was driving he's stoned Uh, okay they list off the whole details of what would happen to both of them and that's a lovely point when max details all of the kind of crimes that we prosecuted with and he he does say something along the lines of and when you're ruthlessly interfered with (laughs) yeah here's what's going to happen you're going to be charged with causing death by careless driving driving while uninsured considering how many walks you went for at the wedding i imagine you're at least a wee bit stoned you said i was insured you said you're sober 
I didn't want to pay for a taxi. Well, that's a cracking defence, but because I let you drive my car uninsured and impaired, I'm criminally liable and open to civil prosecution by your pal's family there. Either way, I'll be disbarred, but on the flip side, I'll have plenty of time to come and visit you in prison and hear how you're being relentlessly interfered with. He is kind of looking out for his younger brother, but mm. it's a, a very odd relationship that they have. Yeah. But yeah, it, you have to look out for Jake. Jake is so a nice guy and and it's summed up for me and it's probably one of the funniest parts of the whole series is in the first episode when they go to Walter's wake and Jake was in first and then Max comes in and as you've said the facial expressions <laughs> from uh, Mark Bonner it's when he sees Jake handing out the sausage rolls it's it's probably one of the funniest parts of the entire show <laughs> yeah I mean, the thing is, like, these two guys, because if, if you go through the whole cast, obviously, we'll come on to him in more detail later, but Bill Patterson is probably the best known actor in it. Like, all the other actors, like, so Mark Bonner, you know, he's been in um, Taggart a couple of times, he's been in an episode of Phone Shop, Line of Duty, he's in Psychoville, he's got a Doctor Who under his belt, uh, he's in the the latest adaptation of um, Sunset Song um, that came out a couple of years ago, but mm. never a kind of lead. And then Jamie Sives, who's play, who plays Jake, you know, he was, uh, one of his early gigs was in the, the not very good remake of um, The Longest Yard with Vinnie Jones uh, in prison, oh. Mean Machine, the football one. Um, he's yeah. got a tagger. He's most recently had a, kind of reasonable part in uh, Game of Thrones and Chernobyl but neither of them were really kind of leading men and when you see the way like the chemistry between them and, and the way that these are they, these two guys drive um, what makes this uh, show so enjoyable for me their relationship the way they play yeah. off each other those two lead performances and then everyone else in the cast you know like uh, Ruth Bradley who plays Angie like she's most recently been in um, Ted Lasso as the teacher that um, the Irish teacher at the school um, uh, Shan Brute she, her big role was playing um, the sister in um, Sherlock with ben, Benedict Cumberbatch she plays Sherlock and Mycroft's mm. sister Ellie Haddington who plays Sheila she's just one of these actresses who you feel like you've kind of grown up watching she's been you look at her IMDB yeah. she's been in fucking yeah. everything and then Eamon Elliot uh, or who I like to refer to is Peter fucking Ingalls um, from Filth. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all people who have played like great roles in other successful things, but never had yeah. to carry a show. And they, you know, they, they are the chemistry between all these actors in this and of course the brilliant writing and how Forsyth just you know just layers on a wee bit more plot you know so it starts off you th I mean it seems like it's quite a straightforward sort of plot in that first episode right these two brothers they've ran this poor guy over he then killed him the show is going to be about how they stay one step ahead of the police or whoever else but then so much more intricacies come in about Max and the shady stuff he's doing and then Angie uh, who appears to be the niece of the guy the long lost niece of the guy who's been ran over uh, Sheila is the neighbour even uh, Tom Yuri turns up who's lost a fucking shitload of weight Tom he's looking good as, mm, uh, yeah. Sheila, as uh, Sheila's son Eamon is the sort of recovering alcoholic uh, investigator Kenny it's just, <laughs> do you know what I mean is on the one hand desperately trying to do the right thing but that's as you say there's, there's no kind of huge 
star as mm. such, but this cast that has been assembled for this show is just incredible and it works so well. And you can see them all bouncing off of each other's performances. It's incredible the way they work together. And it, even from the the first moment when you meet the two brothers and they're driving in the car and Max is going on about the fucking butterflies at the wedding, but they had a cash bar. <laughs> yeah. And you instantly just get the... That you you just know that character yeah. and you know what he's he's all about and he's like fucking cash bar a, a fucking wedding but they could pay for butterflies <laughs> it's beautiful and we've all been there we, yeah. we all know that kind of scenario and you're kind of not expecting it and then bang they crash into Walter Mm, poor Walter. And it, it's the beautiful again the comedic element of Jake running out to check on him Jake's is he's dead and then all of a sudden Jake's got his wallet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where'd you get that from oh I got it from him <laughs> and you're, you're kind of willing them don't do this don't do yeah. this don't take him back into the house but they do and when they find out he's got terminal cancer it's like oh all their Christmases have come at one yeah I mean some of the just the banter between those the between the two of them in the car before they hit Walter when they're talking about hiring clothes and you know like a man from Leith in a tuxedo <laughs> You know what I mean? All that stuff. <laughs> um, but that's it. Throughout the whole show, the exchange between the two brothers is just uh, something that just the whole show is about. There's so many lines between those two that are just so hilarious, but so well written. You know, um, the speech they give when they're um, sat above Edinburgh and looking out and you've got Easter Road at the side and they're speaking about the Hibs season ticket you know uh, max says who have hips got at the weekend and uh, jake's the first thing i did was buy a season ticket when they got relegated what did you do oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um and then it ends up in the um you live up a chip shop is it nice max is it nice with your job and your money and clear yes jake as shallow as it might appear i take great comfort in having a good job and money and clear and not living above a chip shop it's a pizzeria does it do chips <laughs> it's <laughs> And it's the comic timing, and, and that is that is genuinely something that would be in Bob Servant. Yeah, yeah. From Neil Forsyth, that that would not look amiss from Bob Servant, but it's more of a grown-up version of Bob Servant in in this show, and it just sits so well. And that had me in stitches in terms of the just, and it's Mark Bonner's performance and his reaction and it's just the way he delivers that line of you you could tell for Scythe like it feels like he, he sort of relishes right you know like like you mentioned some of our funniest so some of our favorite parts of um Bob's servant were just the kind of the kind of one-on-ones between Bob and another character and he's just having a and it's just back and forth quick lines back and forth like Bob Nake mm. Brian Cox and Jonathan Watson, etc. You know, so his ear for for dialogue. You know, he said in in the notes for the show. Apparently, he wanted to write something about siblings, which he which he feels are the most interesting dramatic relationship mm. in a show with a motif that ran through all the characters. And like, what you know, what what is the one thing that everybody has to some extent about something in their life uh, is guilt. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, hopefully none yeah. of us carry the guilt 
of having of having ran somebody over and killed them. Obviously, the show has taken it to a certain extreme. But if you think about it, like all the characters, all the kind of primary characters in the in the series are carrying some level of guilt. So like Max and Jake are obviously their main thing is the fact that they've ran over Walter and killed him. But you know, Jake is 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 carrying a bit of guilt because yeah, but just feeling that like he's not really he's kind of wasted his life. Max is. So mm. carrying a bit of guilt about his relationship with his mum as well. Then you've got Angie, who's turns out is an imposter, who is feeling guilty about the part that she is being that she's playing in this sort of deception. Um, and then Claire, played by Shan Brooke, she's carrying guilt as well because she's obviously cheating on her husband uh, with a, a lady at her gym, you know. But she's also trying to make the relationship work as well. Um, it's, it's it, I mean, I don't want to keep gushing about how good the writing is, but just all these little subtle themes and stuff. Stuff running through it you know it starts off as one thing one like apparently quite straightforward sort of conceit and then all these other little and like again all these rich characters and um it's so so good and I, I, you know you feel a bit you feel kind of proud of it because this is a this is a bbc scotland production it's been yeah. fucking years since bbc scotland uh produced something as uh dramatic and as well written and as well performed as this you know Shetland. It's the same as you. I I'd been quite I hadn't read much about the premise. I knew basically it was two brothers knock someone over in the car and then what happened. So of course I'm sitting down to watch it thinking, well, it's bound to be it's a four episode series. It's bound to be like the end of the first episode. They knock the guy down mm-hmm. and that's the cliffhanger for the second episode. Yeah. No. Happens in the first like three minutes. Yeah. And immediately they're like, where the fuck are they going from here? How are they going to keep this up for four episodes? But they do. It just twists and turns so much. And there's so many different levels to it. And it it's just a masterpiece of mm. writing in terms of keeping you engaged. You always want to watch the next episode. And there's constant surprises. Like I say, you're, you're kind of working out. What to, and... Uh, I purposely didn't look at the the kind of cast list in terms of watching it. So when episode three starts and I'm sitting watching it with my wife and immediately out of the Range Rover pops Bill Patterson, I let out an audible, oh my God. (laughs) And my wife's like, what? And I'm like, it's Bill Patterson. I did not realise he was in this. And she's like, who's Bill Patterson? I was like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah. It's Bill Patterson, and he's in this. And oh my God, he's playing a proper serious gangster. Uh, You know, you're not used to seeing Bill Patterson in this kind of role, apart from when he played Ali Fraser in season two of A Vida Zane Pet. Yeah, I know. Uh, He's he's brilliant, uh, actually, in it. Because the last sort of few things, obviously, we just watched them in The Crow Road, um, playing a very relatable character in The Crow Road. I think the last thing that I had seen him in was Fleabag, where he plays Dad, the the most sort of recent modern Mm. thing that I'd seen him in. And again, you know, he's you know, Fleabag's you know, it's a it's a comedy. There's a there's a bit of sort of tragedy in it as well, without ruining it for anybody. Um, yeah. But he's 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 really good in it. And when I first saw him, when I first worked out what his character was, I was thinking Bill Patterson playing a a gangster because I've I've never seen him playing Ali Fraser and Afi the same pet. Um, so I was thinking, I can't really, I can't really, I'm not sure I can get on board with Bill Patterson playing a gangster. But as it goes on, you sort of forget <laughs> that it's Bill Patterson, which I guess is 
the job of any good actor is to make you forget. Um, yeah. But he, yeah, he's 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 brilliant in it. So he has uh, this the scene with him and uh, Mark Bonner as Max when Bill Roy Lynch, uh, Bill's character, has taken over Max's office after he finds out that Max has tried yeah. to has tried to cut him out of the deal on the with the money laundering and the the Russian guys. <laughs> and he's he's listening to Max sort of threaten him and tell him why he's gonna he's not gonna stand for it and blah blah blah. You know, he's just sort of patiently listening and he doesn't like he doesn't like threaten anybody in it. Or he doesn't like overtly threaten anybody. It's like he grabs anybody or whatever, or even sort of verbally sort of says, you know, if you don't do this, this is going to happen or whatever. He's just, he's sort of, <laughs> it's just, it's all implied. And again, it just goes back to what we said in the last episode about what a fucking brilliant actor Bill Patterson is. You know, there's, there's so yeah. many, he's, he conveys so much uh, without appearing to do very much, you know? Oh, no. In that scene, he is so mm. menacing but doesn't do a huge amount, but very sinister. I would recommend series two of Avida Sane Pet. If you get a chance, check it out. It's set in Spain and Bill Patterson plays like the big baddie, Ali Fraser. Highly recommended. I think we need to come on to N.M. Elliot as Kenny and he kind of steals the show for me. In the first episode, definitely. But throughout the series, he is... He's such a complex character. And throughout the show... Did you feel that from the first episode, it gets, it's filled with comedy in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but as the episodes go on, the show does get a lot darker and more serious. So there's less laughs when you come to episode four, for example. But the first episode, Kenny is drunk for the majority of it, but his, his laugh range is just spot on and he's so funny. He's he's very very good in it, um, and and you know they so Kenny and 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 Jake are the they're the guys you kind of want to come out of it the best. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so a Max's manipulation of Kenny, especially when Kenny is trying to sober up, you know, and you know he's trying to stop drinking and everything, and he wants to do a good job, and he wants to get his family back, and Max meets him in the Balmoral bar, <laughs> and he's he's trying to get you know. By this point, Kenny is sobered up. He's got the bit between his teeth. He wants to do a good investigation for Angie, the apparent long-lost niece of uh, deceased Walter. And um, Max is trying to kind of knock him off the knock him off the boat a bit. You know, he's like he, he tells this lie about seeing his wife kissing some guy in the drive, and then he's like, "Oh, well, I'll just get you a drink." And he's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take a lemonade." And he says, "You sure? Lager tops, sportsman's drink." <laughs> really made me laugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're, you're. I mean, he's a wee bit hapless. Um, poor Kenny, and unfortunately, he gets a an absolute shooing for his uh, haplessness by one of uh, Brian, uh, Bill Parsons' goons. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he's brilliant. You know, brilliant in this Eamon Elliot. I think his introduction scene when he speaks about his freeview box being stuck on more four <laughs> is probably one of the highlights of the series for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take on a case, lads. My head's immense with a baby. Really? You look great. The wife won't answer my calls. I haven't seen the kids in weeks. My freeview box is frozen on more four. Right. Ever tried to wank the grand designs? 
No. Don't. He's, yeah, he's brilliant. Why? What, what I liked about this is that I I love a good drama that is really emotive. Uh, and before we find out that uh, Angie is isn't actually Walter's long lost niece, and she and Jake are in a relationship, like and quite a nice relationship. You know, Jake's obviously. Uh, as a as a as the proprietor of a of a record shop, he knows a lot about music. Mm. Walter's got this yeah. amazing um, record collection of old jazz hits, greats, and stuff. And you know, it's, it's it's quite a sweet relationship. But before you find out that Angie is more than she seems to be, it's quite tough going watching that watching that relationship unfold. You know, like she's up, she starts, she's she's the sort of instigator of it. Well, I guess Max is a bit of the instigator because he sort of mm. shoves Jake towards Angie to babysit her, as he as he puts it. And then this, you know, they they end up sleeping together. But she's the one who sort of instigates it and everything. And this quite nice relationship forms. And you're like, you're like, you really want to like Jake at that point. And you're like, but how could you? How can you just like deceive yeah. this woman? And then obviously it gets a bit easier when you when Angie's uh, is exposed as an imposter in um, episode 3. I was going to say, I like it when like a drama kind of or a show really makes you feel something like that, you know what I mean? And for the characters, it's, it doesn't happen that often these days. That's the genius of the writing though, in that mm. the, the first episode when Jake sleeps with Angie, yeah, and you know what he's done, but when he wakes up and he turns over and looks at Walter's hairbrush and you think, oh no, he's just had sex in Walter's bed. Like, the, mm. the guy that he's just killed with his niece as well, and, and his hair's just there. Yeah. You do feel sorry for Jake at that point, despite what he's done. Yeah, I suppose, you know, because he's... I mean, obviously, Angie is very attractive. She's, you know, she's not just physically attractive, but she's an attractive person. She's quite a sharp wit. She seems quite easygoing. She's quite dry, quite funny. Um, Jake's maybe a wee bit lonely with his record shop that, you know, that doesn't... Well, that he doesn't feel is, is really going that well. Little does he know that it's actually going really, really well because of the, the money that is, that's being washed through it. So, you know, I guess he sort of falls into this, you know, it's, it's quite, you know, if you're in that sort of situation, like someone shows a bit of interest in you, especially someone that you're attracted to, you're going to you're gonna jump at the chance. Well, that's one question I would have about Leith Beats, which is a great name for a record store. Yeah. But yeah. Jake seems to think it's this massive store that's doing massive business, like FOP. We never see a customer in the store. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, so if you're Jake, you're just signing these tax returns or whatever, but you don't, you know, you're in there every day. You're not seeing anybody actually buying any records. The only person that the only person in the, that we ever see in the record shop apart from Jake is Max or Angie. Oh, <laughs> and the guy that comes to get him to sign his tax papers. Oh, yeah, the bent policeman. So I have to ask you, did you because I know you're a fan of these, like Angie and her dungarees. <laughs> I liked Angie all around. Um, she, you know, I mean, like, I mean again, Ruth, Blad, Ruth Bradley, who plays Angie, she's a bit like the rest of the cast, you know, never really played a lot of, like, kind of moderate to small parts and a lot of things over the years. I think she's done quite a lot of, um, she's, she's Irish, uh, she's not American. Um, I, th- I think she's done quite a lot of drama in like on RTE and stuff in Ireland. I think they're probably the uh, Ted Lasso and Guilt are probably her two biggest. Um, Guilt's probably a, a bigger thing for her even than Ted Lasso because her part in Ted Lasso is quite small. But yeah, she's uh, she's very very good. Yeah, she is fantastic. 
and a, a really good actress. She plays the part really well. And the big reveal at the end of episode two, when you're thinking, what the hell is going on here? You're, you're, you genuinely believed she was Walter's niece, but then there's something kind of creeps in that you're getting a little bit like something not right here, but you don't know what it is. And you're almost pissed off with Jake for leading her down this merry path. But once it's revealed, you kind of think they're both as bad as each other. And then you begin to feel sorry for both of them for leading each other on. And when they reveal to each other what they've been doing, you're actually kind of relieved that they're like, okay, we're still going to continue this relationship. When Angie says, I'm leaving, I want you to come with me, you're you're yeah, happy for I mean, Jake because he's he's gonna get his yeah, happy ending. I mean, her guilt is her guilt is the kind of catalyst for it all going wrong because you know she's she's driven to have a, a proper investigation made by the fact that she feels guilty about her deception. You know, like pretending to be this long lost niece because if she had stuck to the plan Walter would have been buried clothes would have been burnt and if, you know everybody would have been sailed off into the sunset but it's her guilt that sort of drives the sort of house of cards to eventually come falling down so to speak about Sheila she's obviously done this before mm-hmm. hasn't she she's the Harold Shipman of Leith yeah. she's done this to Ralph and now she's done it to Walter uh, because when our son comes to visit, he says to her, Ralph left you his house, Walter's left you his house, and he just cuts him off and says, eat your soup, son. Yeah. So she's a, a little murderess of Leith, it would appear. Merry Widow, yeah. Um, yeah, she's... <laughs> I mean, that's such a good performance um, from Ellie Harrington. Yeah, because she, she's... You know, they, they the scenes between her and Max are great when Max is sort of dictating, this is what happens, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, is that right, son? Okay, son, okay, son. Yeah. And then she just turns 20 grand. <laughs> I'll go away. And she, you know, at, at that point, I guess you find out later on when you find out what her whole sort of angle is in like episode three and four, but um, she, uh, you know, when you you know when you find out what her original plan was, she's actually twenty grand up until um, Angie comes and in, and insists on her money to leave. You know, she's she's got the she's managed to convince the lawyer mm. that's handling Walter's estate that this is the niece, yeah. blah blah blah. Um, so she's going to get the money from the house. She's got an extra twenty grand in cash that she's managed to blackmail Max out of. So <laughs> just yeah, it's such. And like, like I said before, I mean, she is uh, she is her IMDb. The amount of things that she's been in over the year, and she comes from Aberdeen, a bit like your good self, mate. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she certainly does. No, I'm I'm impressed with how much she's been yeah. in over the years. I think we need to speak about the soundtrack as yeah. well in this because the soundtrack is just so good. Yeah, really, really good soundtrack. I really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoy the soundtrack. I mean, everything from, I guess, from sort of housey kind of techno music that our mutual friends probably wouldn't enjoy because it's maybe a bit too highbrow for him. Um, but oh, yeah, you've even got like the old little clips of jazz standards and stuff like that. Yeah, the soundtrack's really good. I read a review of the show on IMDb and it said that This show is great, but it needed more violence, sex, drama, and car chases. And I'm thinking, what what do you think you're watching? It's not a Bond film. This show is just perfectly paced, and it's great. It doesn't need any of that. Why do you need more violence? Why do you need more sex? It's And we'll come on to this when we're doing the Swally Awards, but there's literally no violence, really, or 
sex in this show and it doesn't need it because it's so well written and so well acted. If you want car chases, go and watch a Fast and Furious film. This, this show's got everything and I don't understand what this reviewer was going for. No, I think, you know, I mean, like I said before, I'm kind of really proud of the fact that it's come from Scotland. Um, And when you read about it, it's actually, it's done phenomenally well worldwide. You know, it was on BBC First in Australia, got fantastic reviews. It was released in France where it was called uh, Petite Maître Entre Frères, which means a small murder between brothers. In Sweden, it was called Varlila Hemlich, or Little Secret. And it was described by uh, Afton Bladet as exemplary television craftsmanship. Um, It's been on in South Africa. It's been on in Germany, uh, where it was retitled uh, Kiener is Schud, which means nobody is guilty. Um, Die Reinplatz said this combination of tragedy and humour is high art, which succeeds here. Which is is true because it's, um, I guess, you know... if you think of some of these sort of European, French, or German sort of melodramas and stuff, there's this, you know, there's a lot of that in Guilt's DNA. Um, in America, it was on PBS Masterpiece. Uh, the New York Times called it tense but textured, with characters that are funny and well drawn. Mm. Uh, NPR said that Guilt had a verve that made me think of the TV series Fargo, which I mean is high praise, and it's even being remade uh, by Applause Entertainment in Hindi, so we're getting a Bollywood version of Guilt um, next <laughs> next year. So I mean, it's uh, it's been an absolute phenomenon, um, and it, we always we, we always like it when something from Scotland goes on to take the world by storm. I also read a little bit of criticism of people, again on IMDb, saying that uh, this is typical woke BBC because they've tried to shoehorn in this interracial lesbian relationship into the show. Now, if you're one of the people that's commented and complained about that, get a fucking life. It's 2021. (laughs) Get a life. I didn't question this for a second in terms of watching it and and what was going on. I I was invested in this and completely believable. (laughs) My wife was well into this as well. She was saying oh she's she's in love with her she's she's going to leave with her and i think it did need this element but why does it matter in terms of the who it is that she's with <laughs> it, it doesn't matter at all i thought it was completely compelling and completely believable i mean it, it doesn't really matter really like the, it, it could it, it could have been it just happened i mean the way i sort of saw it was it just happened to be a black woman that she met at the gym, right? They, they, the actual fact is is that the actress's ethnicity has got no bearing whatsoever on that part of the plot. It just so happens that uh, Claire is lonely. She feels neglected by Max. She can't relate to him. She meets a woman at the gym who they start out as friends to begin with, and then something more happens, you know. And then that again, that's Claire's portion of the guilt in the plot. That she feels guilty for cheating on her husband. At the same time, she's got she's got no idea what Max has been up to. Like the whole uh, hit and run aside, she's got no idea of all these dodgy dealings and the fact that he's complicit in this uh, money laundering scam and and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, these IMD, they the ability for anybody to share their opinion on anything is perhaps one of the it's one of the sort of downsides of the whole internet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, despite the fact that we are using the internet 
uh, to expect to share our opinions and another, but you know, ho- ho- hopefully, our collective opinions are w- are well considered and unoffensive to ninety nine percent of our listeners. There's a line uh, that I really enjoyed, um, and you made me think of it today when you sent that little uh, tweet that uh, Rod the Mod put on of his little family celebration in his kitchen, um, and it's where Jake 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 describes Rod Stewart's career as the great artist collapse <laughs> which really made me laugh that did make me want to go and rediscover some early Rod Stewart or the faces in terms of the way he explains and d- describes yeah, him yeah, I-, I need to go yeah, back indeed. and have a little um, listen all right is it time to put the put guilt through our swally awards have you got anything any other anything else you want to mention yeah no I think that uh, sums up guilt so let's put guilt through our swally awards What's first? Um, okay, first, this uh, I've well, I've got the nudity awards, but I can't think of any nudity in guilt at all. It's not, well, nothing, right? No, there's literally no nudity at all. Okay, and uh, you know I can sniff out a cock in a box at twenty paces, but there's no nudity in this you can show. Sniff out a cock in a pick and mix aisle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the next award then is the Cosmo Awards, and I've got two for this one. Yeah, I had three written down. Three? Yeah, but two kind of, I would say. It's it's a difficult award, I would say, because most of the actors in this have been in a lot of other things down mm-hmm. south of the border, but I'd be interested to hear. What are your two? I Well, I had um, Bill Patterson, but I... I, I, I kind of feel that he's pipped by Ellie Haddington. But I'm now thinking that maybe Tom, thinking of Tom Ewer as well, because he's got a lot of cred, he's got a lot of appearances. Who did you have? I had Haddington and Patterson, but mm. I also had Bonner as well, because he has been in quite a few Scottish things, but probably not yeah. as much as Patterson and Haddington. Um, I don't know. I'm torn. Genuinely, in this show, a lot of the actors haven't been in a huge amount of Scottish productions. Yeah. I mean, I think on the sort of Cosmo meter, just in terms of being someone who is everywhere, <laughs> I think Ellie Haddington uh, wins it for me. Yeah, let's give it to her. Right. I, I think it's probably going to be our only Cosmo award. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Um, so for the the uh, the Jake McQuillan Urtizu Award. There was only really one that I could think of to give this to because, like you mentioned earlier on, it's not a particularly violent program. No, the threat of violence is never far from the surface. I gave it to one of Lynch, the Lynch's goon banging Max's face off the desk when he was in the mid when he's in the middle of threatening Roy Lynch in the office. Yeah, that would be mine too. I also had Kenny getting his head smacked off the kind of wrench in the scrapyard oh yeah yeah but yeah that's not really a tease as such so yeah, yeah i would i would give it to max getting his head off the desk the next one then is the franco begbie award for um gratuitous swearing my choice here it's not particularly gratuitous one but i've picked it because it's probably the one that made me laugh the most um, and that's when Max uh, uses the phrase to Jake, your signature fuckwittery. <laughs> Just really enjoyed. <laughs> what were you? What did you have? I like that one. That was good. I had an honourable mention to Claire when in episode one, she's on the spin bikes at the spinning class and the instructor says to her, are you in the zone? And Claire says, I'm not in the fucking zone. I thought that was good. <laughs> However... I gave it to Max when Jake and Max are in the graveyard visiting their mother's grave. 
and Max is delivering the speech um, about his involvement with the gangsters, and he says, What have you done? What have you done to me? I can tell you as much as you want to know, it's, it's up to you. But if you walk away from me now, we're fucked. Both of us. Properly. Seriously. Dangerously fucked. Well, it's nice to have the company. And it's the delivery of the those words that I just thought the use of swearing <laughs> was fantastic. But I do also love I'm not in the fucking zone. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's not a particularly sort of sweary show. You no, know, like, it's not. And, and I, suppo- I suppose for the BBC, you can't really... I think Channel 4 are a wee bit, um, maybe a wee bit looser in those, you know, with that sort of thing. But the BBC, I think, you know, it still maintains a certain level where you might have like a movie on BBC Two, like an American Hollywood film, like might show Goodfellas or something and it's just full of swearing, but stuff that produced stuff that they've produced themselves. I mean, even Line of Duty has the occasional F-bomb, but it's really, really occasional. You know what I mean? It's maybe like once or twice in the whole season um so but i think they like neil for even like bob servant had a wee bit of, had a wee bit of swearing in it but it wasn't and the, and the fact that neil forsyth uses it so sparingly just makes it all the more effective you know yeah um oh completely agree okay so then our next category award rather is the uh, archetypal scottish moment what did you have for this one i had two for this um i had the sean connery impression that the solicitor <laughs> gives to Angie because every Scotsman likes to give a Sean Connery impression. This is the Chicago way. Um, (laughs) But I actually gave it to Bill Patterson when he's meeting with the... Well, we never actually find out, do we? Are they Russian or just Eastern European? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I thought it was Russia... It's because he says that when he gives him the the whiskey, he says this uh, this whiskey was made while you thought were still communists, something like that, right? That made me think it was Russia. Yeah, he does say we always like to beat the English, <laughs> yeah. and I thought that was a very archetypal Scottish moment. Yeah. Well, I rather than a moment, um, I had the there was this one sort of location um, set seemed for some reason it just seemed like ridiculously Scottish to me and that's the Balmoral Bar <laughs> where uh, Max meets Kenny just, that was close on my list yeah. yeah it just feels like a real like a real sort of Scottish working man's pub you know like a sort of dingy place of, of an afternoon where guys with problems with booze will congregate but probably like on a Saturday night, quite a quite a lively place. Maybe like a you know like a band on or something or a disco. Like the wives are out, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, it just felt quite Scottish to me. And then the last award, the Sean, the aforementioned Sean Connery Award, um, for who won the drama or rather who got to go home and fuck the prom queen. I think I feel like we might be on the same page here, but I'll let you go first. Have you got two? Have you? I just got one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go on, and you go first. Okay, I, 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 after quite a lot of consideration, I had to give it to Mark Bonner. I think he's just a revelation in it. He's absolutely brilliant. I would have liked to have given it to Emin Elliot yeah. for his portrayal of Kenny because he's so good. But it has to be Mark Bonner. Yeah, he yeah. is fantastic in this role. 
the facial expressions, so the, the so acting, that he's just so good and so believable and a, just such a well-formed character. So I did have kind of a one of the two, but yeah, I have to give it to Mark Bonner yeah. without a doubt. And I'd, I think maybe a little asterisk to Neil Forsyth as well for the writing. Yeah. Without him writing this, they wouldn't be able to deliver this performance and some of the lines he comes up with are just so fantastic in terms of the comedy. So yeah. Yeah, and you know he's so he's so comfortable. He's so comfortable with the, the to to your point. He's so comfortable with that with the dialogue. Well, they all are, you know what I mean. But especially him and Jamie Ives. Uh, sorry, Jamie Sives who plays um, Jake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 like Brian Cox and Jonathan Watson. They're just incredibly comfortable with the dialogue, with the one-liners. They seem to know exactly how it's to be delivered, how it's to be said. You know, it's yeah, brilliant. <clears throat> Well, so that was that's guilt. If you haven't seen it and you've listened this long, then we'll probably fucking ruined it for you. Um, but I did say to you earlier on that was when the time was to th- when the time was to turn off the podcast, go and watch guilt, and then come back and watch it. Um, I'm looking forward to watching series two, and I think we should probably uh, review series two in a later episode. What's your thoughts? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think we'll do that very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, so before we. Before you tell us what you've chosen for our next episode, we've had a bit of correspondence since the last uh, time of recording. Yeah. So you were about to, you were going to tell us about somebody from very far away. We certainly have. We had a lovely email from Alf, Alf Stamp in New Zealand. And hello, Alf. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And he said he's been listening to us when he's been walking along the beach uh, with his wife in New Zealand. And he's been listening to the podcast. He loved listening to the episode Down Among the Bing Boys. Didn't enjoy the film so much, but he is eagerly awaiting to watch Under the Skin. But he hasn't got back in touch with us since we watched that. So I would uh, be interested to hear his thoughts on that. But yeah, thanks Alf. What about yourself? Have you heard from uh, any listeners? I mean, I think if Ralph, if he didn't enjoy Down Among the Big Boys, it could go either way with Under the Skin, <laughs> I feel. Um, but um, yep, uh, another listener who's been in touch is Stephen Campbell, who hails from the parish of Paisley, so not quite as far away as New Zealand. He writes, Hi guys, I've recently discovered your podcast as I'm in production on a crime drama feature film set in Paisley. Um, he teases perhaps a future watch on the Swally. Uh, Stephen can guarantee that if it's any good we'll give it a watch definitely talk about it on the swally uh and listening to the show has helped him through the many tedious hours of pre-production logistics he says cheers for the entertainment and he can't wait to listen to the crow road which uh came out last thursday and is available pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts so well i hope you enjoyed that episode Stephen. well thank you very much for listening everyone if you'd like to get in touch with us you can contact us on culture swally at gmail.com or you can follow us on social media on instagram at culture swally pod or on twitter at swally pod and greg having a little bit of trouble with the website aren't we yeah the website unfortunately has been taken down uh due to some issues with bluehost um i may have gotten a bit emotional on a web chat with them when they failed to resolve our issue, but we'll have a new website soon, um, and we'll hope, you know, and we'll I'll, uh, post the links to it on their socials when it's up and running. Give you the address on a future so 
Okay, so next time on the Swally, we are having a little bit of a break from the conventional norm of picking something each week. We are doing a Christmas special next time on the Swally. And Greg, you have chosen the Christmas special, and I think it's something you're quite excited about. Uh, it's something that I'm desperately excited about. I can't take credit for finding it. It sort of came about as a bit of a joke that I made on um, Twitter. Um, but Nikki found for me the 1983 Cranky's Club Christmas special. So I'm looking forward to discussing that in some detail on the next episode of The Swally. <laughs> Fantastic. I cannot wait to watch that again and talk to you about it next time on The Swally. Okay then. Uh, well, till next time then, Greg. Fan dabby dozy. Till... <laughs> Fan dabby dozy. So then, Big Jim Malone, as a wee think, leans over to Elliot Ness and says, you send one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. That line, I wasn't just saying it. Absolutely wasn't. Sean Connery, The Untouchables, Chicago. <laughs>